Hey everyone, my name's Monica. And I'm Josh. And we, we rate ratings. Because people have opinions. But there are two sides to every story. And we are back. How are you doing today on this I'm not going to say abysmal, abysmal, but rather cloudy, overcast Wednesday, Monica. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the weather because this is going to go into my first day rant. So <laughs> yesterday, I it was a Tuesday, the 29th, and it was my first day in summer school. And it was not the best of times. It was actually the worst of times which that's going to go into our guest, but we're not going to tangent on that just yet. It was not a perfect day. Um, what had happened was is that I had got off the bus, and so I'm walking on a crosswalk, and I slip majorly because of the rain. I'm not talking like a little stumble and you catch yourself. I mean, it was bad <laughs> for everyone, and I hope to God nobody saw me. But probably somebody did because it was right near the quad, basically. So I slip on this crosswalk and it's luckily it was kind of a bad thing and a good thing that I was holding um, my water bottle, which is like a hydro flask. It's like one of them aluminum fancy ones. I was holding on to that and it kind of helped break my fall to where my left leg, it had a big scratch on it. But, you know, um, it, it was mostly okay. But my other leg, on the other hand, or on the other leg, rather, <laughs> it kind of twisted weird at the ankle. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just going to walk it off. Um, it's not fine. It still hurts a lot. And I'm 99.9% .9 sure I sprained it. Because oh now every... Gosh. I know, because now every time... I, I don't know if Josh caught this before we hit the record button. But, like, I, like, twisted it weird. And I audibly went, ow. Because literally every time I twisted in a certain kind of way on either side, it really hurts. <laughs> All I can say is I salute you, fallen soldier. Damn! <laughs> but you know what? I emphatically agree that the crosswalks on UA's campus are so slippery for no yes. reason. Yes. I have slipped on those crosswalks. And mind you... I wear athletic shoes. I wear running shoes. I'm not a runner. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I don't get it twisted. I'm not a runner, but I wear running shoes. These shoes have good traction is what I'm trying to say. These aren't Converse. These aren't Vans, though I love those shoes. But if I were running from, if this were World War Z or like Dawn of the Dead and there was a zombie outbreak, those shoes would not help me survive. These shoes would, but if I were running front, down the quad, down these crosswalks, I would be dead upon arrival. <laughs> and you know what? I think the university needs to address this because, first of all, not me getting melodramatic, but these are safety violations. These are safety hazards for students. And I don't just mean me, but obviously you, Monica, as well, as you just mentioned. And in the rain, it's 10 times worse because I have slipped. I haven't fallen yet. Knock on wood. I have wood on my desk. But I haven't fallen on these crosswalks, but I have slipped. I have. It's had to have reached double digits at this point. Like, that's insane. 
But anyways, 4th of July, right? Yes, and I just want to add real quick, it was not on the um, pavement, I guess, like the blacktop part. It was on specifically the painted parts, which you think would be safer. But no, those things... That's what slips me to every (laughs) single time. No, I literally... I will be in my head having an inner dialogue being like, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Just three more steps. Just three more steps. Just three more steps. And you always slip on like the second to last step on the white part where they paint on the crosswalk, thinking that you're safe. No one's (laughs) ever safe. No one is ever safe walking on those crosswalks. Ever. But other than that, I'm having a good summer semester. Just started off on the wrong foot. Literally. No. <laughs> that was. That's a good one. I know. That was so dry, and I love it. <laughs> Transitioning into yeah. our guest, as I kind of threw a "Tale of Two Cities" reference earlier when describing my fall. Um, yeah, we got a local business. Our first local business. On the podcast, their name is, they are the Ernest and Hadley Booksellers. Uh, Josh, as we mentioned in our earlier conversation, you are not much of a book reader. I know. How? (laughs) Just how? It it hurts. It hurts to say, you know, (sighs) there are books that I like. Mm -hmm. It's just, if I'm sitting at home, and I have just a grocery list of things that I could possibly do. Reading a book just is never on the list. And I'm trying to get out of that. I have been trying to get out of that. And I'm glad we're actually speaking to a bookstore manager because it reminded me, you know, I need to get on top of it. And even if it's not like a book book, why are we interviewing Avery Leopard? the store manager of Ernest and Hadley. Don't you have some sort of anecdote or story to go with that? Uh, I do. I am an intern for Alabama Public Radio. And so we have a very chill environment, you know, when we're not actively working on story. So typically I talk with the other production members of our radio station. And so one of the conversations we had a couple of months ago was um, about bookstores or just local businesses in town, and it shifted into bookstores. And one of my coworkers mentioned Ernest and Hadley, and I was like, well, I need to get on that train. I need to go over there and see what they're like, and I honestly have yet to venture out. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, I've just heard they have a chill environment, you know, and I'm like, again, we need to give the local girls some time, you know, in the spotlight, you know, to – Get their name out there, you know? Everybody, you know, get strapped in. We are just about moments away from speaking to Avery Leopard, store manager of Ernest and Hadley. And, of course, we hope you all enjoy. And we will be right back. Uh-huh, we'll be right back. We raid ratings with Avery Leopard. <laughs> so, how are you doing today? 
doing pretty well. Um, I am up here I'm in my perch, um, which I'm usually not here until the afternoon. So if something goes crazy uh, downstairs, I may have to duck. I am the manager here on, on the premises right now. So. so how long have you been manager? Yeah, it's been five years now. Um, our official opening was uh, December of 2016, but um, we really started operations around August of 2016. So yeah, about five years now. Were you Ernest and Hadley's first manager? Has hands ever changed at all, or have you always maintained as its manager? I, I've always been the manager. Um, it is a family business, so um, the name of the company is based off of Ernest Hemingway and his first wife, Hadley Richardson. They did get divorced. <laughs> we were just sort of trying to capture a happy moment in time for them. But yeah, it's a family business, so my mom and I decided to... Um, open this um my dad was hesitant but um i think i think now he's pretty excited now that we've hit our five-year mark just about so um yeah i was uh doing hr for about 10 years and really kind of wanted to get out of factory life and my mom is uh had her own publishing company and was finding it really hard to get her um authors onto shelves at some of the bigger box stores, so why not open a store? <laughs> and we just lucked out, and it was a good time to do it. Um, E-readers did not take off like we thought that they would, so turns out people like to hold books. What do you love most about owning like an independent, family-run uh, bookstore, would you say? Probably that we answer to ourselves. I know that sounds maybe a little selfish, but... Um, <laughs> Well, and we answer to the community, so um, we don't have like a big corporate overlord that's telling us what signs we need to put up, what we need to be pushing, um, especially with like discount programs. I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure yeah. of having to join something that you're not really comfortable. A lot of corporations really um, focus on upselling, and um, it's kind of rude, <laughs> so it, it's nice not to have to do that kind of stuff, and we have a lot of control over what we carry and um, you know, if it's not in the store, we're happy to order it. Um, you know, even if it differs from our politics, it's fine. Happy to order it for you. And shifting away from maybe the positive, what would you say have been the biggest challenges in owning an independent or family run business? We sort of talked about that a little bit, but is there anything else that we might not have discussed already? It's Amazon. It's Amazon. Um, they're our biggest competitor. Um, even Barnes and Noble, um, that's, a, that's a big one too, but uh, Amazon makes it really difficult for us to function just because we can't offer two-day shipping. I'm sorry, it takes longer than that. It takes two days for it to get to us. So it's just not possible. We don't have billions um, at our disposal like Bezos does or however you pronounce his name. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's hard um, – when people come in and they're like, oh, I can get this cheaper off of Amazon, not to have that face, like, mm. <laughs> cringe, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's hard competing with them. Um, they, they do offer feed uh, at your doorstep, which we can ship to, it's just it takes a little bit longer. And so our last question before we get into the reviews here is, you know, why own a business in Tuscaloosa particularly? Are there any perks to operating a business in the city in particular? 
well, this is where we live. Um, <laughs> um, my dad just retired from the university, so um, that's what brought us our family here in the first place about 25 years ago. Um, so, you know, just this is this is where we are, and um, it was kind of a book desert for a while. Um, I don't know how long y'all have been here, but um, we had a few indie bookstores. We had a few small bookstores at the mall, like Walden Books. And then um, Books a Million came to town, kind of put Walden out, and the Indies, um, and then Barnes and Noble put Books a Million out, and then Amazon kind of did did in the rest. So um, we've had about a good ten to fifteen years here without any indie bookstores. Um, which, whenever we travel, um, we love to go see other indie bookstores because it kind of gives you a good flavor of the town, like what the locals are like, what they're into, what they're reading, what their style is. And um, without that, I felt like Tuscaloosa was really underrepresented. So we wanted to bring that back to Tuscaloosa. And we're, we're right down the street from the university. Um, we definitely order a lot of books for the professors. They really, they're... <laughs> They helped us survive through the pandemic. They really did. Um, so it's we, we get a lot of um, support from from the University of Alabama, um, whether the administrators know it or not. But we're we're here. <laughs> right. Yeah, we love this town. This is this is our home. So we wanted to make sure that they had their own indie. And shifting into the reviews here, we took reviews from three different sources. There were Google reviews, which is what we'll go through first, and Facebook reviews, and then we'll round it out with one Yelp review that is public. Yeah. And so starting with Google reviews, overall the score in terms of satisfaction is a 4.8 out of 5 or a 96%, and that is based on 44 reviews spanning four years. So this first review is a 5 out of 5 from four years ago, and it says, This is a cute new independent bookstore in Tuscaloosa. They have a wide selection of fiction and nonfiction. The staff is very friendly and helpful. I'm so happy to have this in our community. And something I wanted to ask you right away is, why does Tuscaloosa and many other communities like it need an independent bookstore? How do independent bookstores sort of have a leg up over chain or convenience stores that happen to sell books? Um, like I was saying, it it really does give you an idea of what the locals are like um, and what they're interested in. Um, whereas chains do have to answer to a major corporate office that's often out of a big city that's really separated. I think that Barnes & Noble actually has gotten a little bit better in giving like their, their managers um, a little bit more of an opportunity to decide what's on their shelves. But really, there are so many authors and poets in Tuscaloosa that didn't, they were not able to get their work out there. Um, and we do a lot of events promoting specifically uh, local poets and authors. So um, that gives sort of the art community a platform that they wouldn't have before. And that's true for most indies, that um, the events, which is why the pandemic really put a damper on some things at first, um, before we were com comfortable with these types of platforms, um, doing things virtually. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we, we are able to really help local authors who are independently published, which is really, when you, when you publish your own work, um, you meet a brick wall um, in a lot of cases um, when you're dealing with major distributors and, uh, and corporations um, not being able to get your work out there. Um, so we actually have a festival coming up in August. Um, I think it's around the 22nd. We're going to open on a Sunday, which we don't normally do, but it's sort of like the 2020 mulligan for local authors. Like if you had a book come out in 2020 and you weren't able to do your normal book tour or, or anything even close, we're going to have you in um, to be able to do it over <laughs> to get your signing in. Because we had to do book plates for a while um, where authors would mail in signed book plate and it just loses some of that nuance some of that the fun of having a signing so yeah I think it's I think the main benefit of having an indie is um, if you've written your own work you should make friends with your local bookstore <laughs> they should know you by name and give them your business <laughs> yeah and so this next review is a five out of five as well but it's from three years ago and it says uh, this is the type of bookstore I always wished Tuscaloosa had, and now we do. It's a great bookstore for any taste, and I love that it highlights Southern and local authors. So why does E&H highlight Southern authors specifically, and uh, how does it do so, would you say? Um, specifically, it's a region, you know. Uh, we're part of uh, the Southern Independent Booksellers Alliance. So every year, you know, not during a pandemic, we get together. Um, we did get together just online this year, so it's not quite the same. But um, we all really like to focus on on the region and the positive things that that are part of the region. Um, the South gets a lot of heat uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> not just the temperature, but um, our history down here is very dicey, uh, but there are a lot of positive things about the area that we would like to shine light on. Um, we are not all the stereotype, um, and particularly the art community. Uh, you find people of all creeds, colors, everything, genders, everything. Um, and I think that that the South has to take on a lot of the sins of the nation. Um, so we do like to highlight that, um, that there's a lot of culture down here that you might not be aware of if you're just listening to the stereotype. Um, so I think that that's why we, we focus on the region, but we also, um, we have a substantial human rights section that deals with race relations and civil rights. Um, it is a constant focus for us, um, and it is a primary focus of a lot of our events. We have a lot of work to do. We've come a long way, but there's so much more work to do. And um, just a, a constant reminder that we are not there yet, and um, don't know if we ever will be, but we've got to keep trying. Um, so I think that that's why it's important to highlight Southern authors. Um, not just because they have trouble getting exposure, but um, I think a lot of people, well, along that same line, I think um, if somebody hears, oh, you're from Alabama, they stop listening to you, which 
you know, there's there there are a lot of people here with amazing things to say, and either straightforward or through um, a creative outlet like poetry. A lot of poets in Chester's though is incredible, it really is in Birmingham. And this next review is another five out of five, and it is from two years ago, and it says. Wonderful place to get any book you are looking for. You can enjoy so many wonderful events all throughout the year. Everyone working there is absolutely fabulous. And you mentioned that ENH has a book club, but are there any other sorts of events like book signings or readings or book fairs throughout the year? And how are customers notified that those events are coming? Yeah, we do all of those. Um, like I was saying, the, the um, Mulligan that we're doing this year, that's actually uh, normally called Fall for the Authors, which we do in the fall. And it's, um, we have like an author in every room and a few shifts throughout the day. Um, we definitely do book signings. We do uh, book discussions, book talks, basically the same thing. Um, we usually, we have a pretty decent social media presence. Um, I'm most comfortable with Facebook um, being almost a Gen Xer. Um, <laughs> we do have, um, I think, quite a following on Instagram, now TikTok. Um, tried Twitter for a little bit, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but you know, if that's your platform, then more power to you. I do not understand it. <laughs> but for the most part, um, our website and Facebook are how we announce um, our events. Just their event listing on Facebook is super easy to use. So, um, that's usually how we get the information out there. And you can boost that post and everything. It's it's pretty simple. Um, but we also have a newsletter that you can join that we send out through MailChimp. Um, yeah, just try and, try and spread the word however people use their social media. And so this next review is another 5 out of 5 from a year ago. And it starts off with, I found this quaint bookstore while visiting from Seattle. What a great place to spend some time, browse some new and used books, and enjoy the friendly staff. I am, I am greatly enjoying the several books I bought here. These folks deserve the support of the community. Independent bookstores are a vital part of any city. And so we kind of went into, you know, Tuscaloosa's history of independent bookstores and stuff. But just, again, do you have any more comments as to, you know, possibly why... You know, why is it so vital that Tuscaloosa, I mean, again, I feel like we've talked a lot about this, but why are they so vital or, you know, even why do you think, do you think it was just mainly, you know, cause I remember when the book, The Million was still here because I was a little kid and I would go and we'd get like the discounted children's books and stuff. So do you think, again, you know, the bigger corporations kind of ate out the little guys, you know? You know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it, I think if you've traveled within the United States, you kind of see how homogenous everything is. Um, it's hard to tell, unless you're really familiar with geography, where you are. If you were to just, you know, pull over on any given freeway exit, you might not know where you are. You'd see a McDonald's, you'd see a Subway, maybe a Burger King, you know. Everything looks kind of the same until you get into, like, the old downtowns. Part, okay, so I'm going back to the southern thing. A lot of southern architecture and a lot of history was destroyed. Um, so anytime you do see a historic downtown area, it's it's special because it survived. So it's always interesting to see when something did survive all this history. 
Um, I've only been to Europe a couple times, but I was blown away by seeing a building that was built in 400 BC. Um, I can't wrap my head around that, that it's still standing. There it is. You know, um, we don't have that in this country um, until you get into these little teeny tiny downtowns, these little pockets of awesome culture. And I think that that's why any town needs these little stores, now, not just indie bookstores, but small businesses. Um, it's really important for the community members to be able to have those things. Those those are the folks that are filling the potholes with their sale tax. You know, that's you don't get that. You, you're not paying a whole lot of sale tax online. You might be now a little bit, the state sales tax, but you're not paying the local. So that is why it's important to have all these little shops is because they're not only employing your neighbors, um, they're also helping to improve the infrastructure of your town. And it just... It's more interesting to look at than a Walmart. <laughs> I don't really know. It's just more fun. Um, and they might offer you like free coffee or something, whereas you're going to get maybe a cold greeting and then just go about your business. But, you know, I can, I can read people. If somebody comes in the door and doesn't want to be bothered, and, I usually know, you know, if, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned owning a small business and how these historic, areas in these towns need historic districts and these small businesses. And obviously the coronavirus is still a topic of discussion. With being small business owners, what was the biggest sort of lesson that you had to learn and juggle through this year of uncertainty, would you say? Well, it, that's probably a, a better question for my folks, just simply because they're the ones fiscally responsible, whereas it's once removed for me. But um, it was it was pretty scary. Um, um, so we were kind of on the forefront of the local businesses closing down, <laughs> um, at least, um, you know, for, for walk-in traffic. Well, we do like to play, err on the side of caution. Um, books were pretty essential to quarantine, though. Um, which was super cool. Um, all of a sudden, people were, were needing some entertainment, and we can sell you puzzles and games, too. Um, we were very fortunate that our online presence was already established, so we do sell books online. People uh, just got really comfortable very quickly with that, and it really did help us through the pandemic. I, of all the local businesses that were affected, I think that we were really lucky by offering a product that um, that was definitely needed during that time. Um, if anything, to offer a little escape from the madness. It, it was really scary. I guess to sort of sail on much calmer waters, we'll move on to Facebook here. And Facebook had 35 reviews. But the thing about Facebook that's different than Google is, I guess with Facebook, it's, it's less in your face about making a review out of sentences than just rating it out of five. So although there were 35 ratings, there were only about five written out reviews that we chose. So it was a five out of five based on the opinion of 35 people. And this first review is from December 2016. And it says, I love this bookstore. It has a nice selection of books, books by local authors, some really interesting art books, places to sit and browse, arts on the walls with an exclamation mark in parentheses, and a charming interior. It's also independent, 
we need this here there will be local authors signing their books y'all check it out and help support it and a similar review that i pulled made the comment that they make the best use of the space without it feeling cramped or overwhelming and i wanted to mention the layout or organization of the store because a lot of people mention that it's comfortable with and it's spacious enough without being cramped or busy so how would you guys say you organize your store to match the carefree attitude of the staff and why is that an important element in your store? Oh, and that first review, um, that was right when we opened. So we had probably a lot more art on the walls at the time because we had a lot less inventory. We are tiny house living over here. I mean, it's um, maximum like 1,100 square feet of retail space so we we have had to um utilize the space uh as much as we could it is tall ceilings we do have tall ceilings um so we can use a lot of vertical honestly um my mom and i kind of work together to design the place um, it's very eclectic mostly because we used what we had <laughs> um a lot of stuff came straight from our houses like um yeah this is if you walk into our houses this is what our houses look like too. I think he and I differ very much on certain aspects. Um, I'm sort of a maximalist and she's a minimalist. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I think that balanced out sort of the aesthetic a little bit. In terms of organizing the shelves, we organize over uh, with theme over genre. Um, when we first opened, it was specifically theme. Um, now that we've grown a little bit, uh, we do have some shelves that are specific, like we have a historical fiction section, um, we have a history section, um, and before it was sort of um, nonfiction and fiction next to each other grouped by theme. That's the case in a lot of the human rights section. Um, we do have, we, we will see the two next to each other in some cases. Um, we were actually actively looking for a bigger space. I love this house. I would die for this house, but it is not handicap accessible. And it really, mm. really bothers me. Um, we do have a ramp, but it is going to hurt someone putting it up someday. You know, it is clunky and metal and um, not, not using it. They won't get hurt using it, but one of our employees may just pull their back, their back out. So it makes me very nervous to, to bring it out. Um, and I would like to be accessible to everybody um, without them having to call ahead. Um, but yeah, I think we've um, used the space as best we could, but we really are looking, looking to move a little closer to University Boulevard um, and a little bit easier of a space to, to maneuver in. Um, but this house is getting ready to turn 100, and I would be sad to miss that. The next one from Facebook, it's dated from February um, 3rd, uh, 2018, and it starts off with, I greatly enjoyed my first visit today. From the moment when I walked in, I was welcomed and offered a nice cup of coffee, which you kind of mentioned earlier. Um, great selections and a cozy atmosphere. Looking forward to my next visit. And so you kind of also mentioned before, like you have puzzles and games. So what other kind of products can people expect from E&H when they walk in, perhaps, other than books? Right, right. Yeah, our non-book stuff, we try and stick to literary-themed things. 
so I know that some of our puzzles, that one, we, we kind of expanded that one just for the pandemic because we needed to get puzzles in. Um, but we, the, right now we're doing the, um, I think it's Jane Mount who does the uh, bibliophile designs. So I know we, we have some of her um, her puzzles and like the bookends that she did, the ceramic stuff that are re they're really nice. Um, we have a lot of candles that are literary themed, um, obviously bookmarks. Um, we do have our own t-shirts. We sell our t-shirts, our branded t-shirts um, and totes. Um, we have some scarves, of course, they have, they're like typewriter print. Um, yeah, uh, we don't really carry like a ton of plush things for sale, although they do decorate. We have birds everywhere. We have owls all over the place, and I know that we could have sold those a million times over, uh, but I don't want to part with our owl family. I don't know. They're just I get really attached to things, so. <laughs> There are owls. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but mostly mostly um, literary-themed sidelines. Oh, that's what they're called. And uh, Non-book items are sidelines. Um, and a lot of journals, we have a, a ton of journals and notebooks. Um, they often go hand-in-hand hand with books, so. And this next review is from April 2019, and it says... The store selection and people are all amazing. Ernest and Hadley's is the target of books. You can't help but find everything you didn't know you needed. <laughs> <laughs> and so one thing I wanted to mention that we talked a bit earlier is how ENH curates its books for its guests. How is this like an everyday process and what sort of methods can consumers go about in asking for a book? Um, well, we have different types of customers who come in. Some people have already done a lot of their research already, um, either by a reading list that they've gotten uh, through a podcast or a blog. Um, so that's very helpful when they already know what they want. Um, we pay attention to repetition. Um, if more than one person has asked for a particular book, um, then we decide to go ahead and stock it. Um, we have a, a few things that, uh, you know, there's a, an obvious backlist that a store always needs to have. And I um, that's something that I'm trying to actually spend a little bit more time working on, um, making sure that we always have 1984 in stock. We always have To Kill a Mockingbird in stock, those kind of things. Um, always have... Uh, the Bronte sisters and Jane Austen. Everybody loves Jane Austen. So, um, I think that, well, we do have a table that um, is the biggest table that we have uh, that's community favorites. And oftentimes that's the, the new releases that everybody is, everyone is asking for. Um, or things that, um, like we have a book called Hurricane Creek that is only sold by us. Um, Hurricane Creek is local. Uh, the author was local. Unfortunately, we lost her during the pandemic, not due to the pandemic, but it just happened at the same time. Um, but it, it is a thick coffee table book of all of the lore of Hurricane Creek, which I did not know how many stories came from that area and how many people are involved in preserving Hurricane Creek. There have been so many um, 
attempts to bulldoze it or pollute it, you know, the, the Hurricane Creek unfortunately takes on the runoff. Anytime we have a major weather event, there's always like a sewage leak in Hurricane Creek. So there's an, there's an entire society dedicated to making sure that it's preserved. And it is a beautiful spot. I don't know if y'all have ever been. Um, Monica, I'm sure you're familiar with it being from the area. Yeah. Um, but that was our hot seller of 2020. Um, you know, regardless of people not being able to come into the store to get it, it was amazing. Um, but we, we do pay attention. We, we talk to people when they come in and find out what they're interested in, what they want to see on our shelves if they're kind of looking around and can't really find anything. Um, that's sort of the beauty of having a small store is you can talk to individuals. Um, but yeah, in terms of um, what we stock, we really do touch base with the community first. Um, and my mom, Eastie, is um, she's the one reading all of those thousands of emails that come in every day, uh, staying on top of what's coming out next. She's incredible. I mean, she really, um, she she's so in tune. I think because of her publishing background, she she's so connected to other publishers, especially small presses that don't get a lot of um, attention from the Amazons of the world and the big corporations. Um, so um, she does a great job of staying on top of that. There are constant events online for both the general public and for indie bookstores. So. Um, that's her all over. That that is what she that's what she does is um, she pays attention. We're just gonna wrap up with our last Facebook review here. This is from October of twenty twenty. So this is pretty recent and it says got to visit here yesterday for the first time and I was so impressed. I will be stopping every time I'm in town. Excellent customer service. Be sure to check out the separate building with used and rare books. I found several signed copies by my favorite author. So what are some aspects of EMH, like the separate building for used and rare books that uh, customers on their first visit might have missed? And what do you think would also bring a customer back for, you know, possibly a second or third or more visit? Well, um, one of the things that we did decide to do with the used books um, is, you know, we take those in often from our customers. so. Um, we, uh, during certain times of the year, except from everybody, but mostly because we get inundated, um, it's part of our membership program. So if you're a member of Team Hadley or our friends and family program, which was, if you got in on the ground floor, um, you can drop off your books at any time. And that's one of the perks of the program. Um, on Mondays, we offer a BOGO deal. In the annex, so all used books under $20 are buy one, get one free. People love that. I think that that space offers something different than the front building. Um, so I feel like the front building is, it's the whole aesthetic is very dark academia. Um, it's definitely geared towards a particular customer base, whereas I think the annex is um, more youthful and exciting. Like we've got bright lights in there and we are getting ready to um, expand it out a little bit and have more t-shirts and posters and fun stuff like that for dorm rooms. I think that it's just more, it, it offers, it's more inclusive. And you know, it, I think it reaches more people because it's, it is more affordable um, back there to 
be able to offer books at a better price. Retail is retail because we pay a certain price um, buying from a wholesaler. It's not all that flexible. Whereas used books, it depends on the condition, you know, and we'll offer short credit for it, but we can kind of do that more on a sliding scale. So that's why we can offer BOGO with those. Um, you know, when you give store credit, you're moving some books. So it, I love that space back there. It's really cool. It's constantly shifting around. So um, just, I'm sitting next to, I think this is about 400 books that we haven't processed yet. It's really intimidating. <laughs> it's a lot of work right there. But yeah, it's, it's constant. Um, so there's always new stuff in, which is exciting. And closing things, closing the review portion out with the first and only review from Yelp, which is a positive one. It is from Halloween 2019. And it says, what a cozy place. People who work here are book lovers, knowledgeable and friendly. They have their own organizing principles, which makes sense. And don't miss the rare and used book building in the back at the edge of the historic district and just a block from bustling University Avenue. They might not have everything, but they use their space and book sense very well. And attached is a photo of a black dog. And it says, what is a bookstore without a book dog or cat? What are the names of the ENH dogs? <laughs> so the dog in the picture, that's Liza. That's my big girl. Um, she's getting ready to turn 12 in September. Um, so she definitely is getting up there for a lab. Um, she, she is um, my husband's dog. She has selected him as her human. Um, and then there is a little black and white one who's sitting next to me right now. That's Pete. He's a jack rat terrier. And he will be 13 this Saturday. So, but we have two senior dogs, but they're super friendly and actually getting friendlier with old age, which is not mm. normal. But I think because, because they're, um, shop dogs now, they sort of know when they're at work and, you know, you don't need to bark at somebody coming through the door. Although I will say when, whenever they are weird with somebody, it's usually accurate. Like... Mm. <laughs> I don't know what's up for you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think um, that might have been the Seattle guy from um, one of the Google reviews. I think it was the same gentleman. I remember him. He was super nice um, and really excited to see an indie bookstore here because he had been through before and there was nothing. And this user, I wanted to say, they mentioned University Avenue. Would you say ENH has a prominent student population in terms of buyers, or is it more so older or more seasoned residents of Tuscaloosa? And what makes ENH a good location for students if they have yet to go there? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, I would say in the first couple years, um, it was all older Tuscaloosa residents. Um, we had an unbelievable turnout on our grand opening. I, I mean, line out the door and we were only open for four hours and it was the most intense four hours of my entire life. Um, and it, it was all, you know, neighbors, people that we know personally and, and we're excited to have an indie bookstore. Um, I think the students in the last year or so are just now discovering us. 
but their parents knew about it because um, I think indie indie bookstores are definitely um, uh, there's a tourism element to visiting an indie bookstore like we were talking about before um, so anytime um, the parents weekends we'd always meet the parents <laughs> um, but I think now that we do have the annex um, I think that that has helped um, I know that the professors my goodness thank goodness for the professors um, they have actually let their students know that hey we do have an indie bookstore here and um, if you would like to keep that, maybe shop there if you can. Um, I understand, though, that w when you're a student, you're on a, a pretty tight budget. Um, so that is definitely a consideration. And it was the emphasis for opening to use the annex to make things a little bit easier on that front. Um, so I don't judge people for making their, their choice to go online versus, you know, you, you do what you have to do to get by. Um, but pandemic or not, it's, it's, it's been an unbelievable thing being in this community. I, I'm so grateful to Tuscaloosa and, and just the support of the community. It's, it's my town. It's my home. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. And so are you looking forward to having an influx of business in the fall with more students getting out, you know, due to the decrease of you know, social stressing the pandemic had, you know, roughly a year ago? Yeah. Um, normally in the summertime, like in the past, we've um, shortened our hours significantly. Um, we would usually do a new, open at noon versus 9.30 in the morning um, and, and close at 5.30, which we still do. Um, we have not had to do that this summer, um, which even coming out of the pandemic is – surprising so um, I'm hoping that when the students come back it will be sort of a boon of um, people wanting to buy books <laughs> right. but you know you um, I don't know there's always this this uh, fear of financial collapse um, it, uh, I've lived through two now so um, you just sort of brace yourselves <laughs> Um, but the experience that I've gotten um, through managing a bookstore is different than um, anything I've ever done before. So um, hopefully, hopefully we will not be having an economic or um, um, environmental disaster anytime soon. But it's always right there, you know, sort of not to end on a negative note, but <laughs> something right. we'll constantly think about all the time so yeah <laughs> we can we can wrap up and we can tie a bow on it in a positive way though i know we discussed southern authors and your recommendations but with this being a book themed episode are there any titles recently that have made it to your summer reading list oh if God. any there's so so many i'm sitting next to a bunch um this one's supposed to be huge graceland at last um, this, this, this lady here, I think this came out, um, yeah, this is Yoke, um, by Jessamine Stanley, looking forward very much to reading that, um, yeah, that comes out in July, um, there's also, um, are y'all familiar with the blogess, um, Jenny Lawson, 
Mm -hmm. So she wrote a book called Broken that I really wanted to take on the beach, but it's not out in paper yet, paperback yet. So I didn't want to destroy it with sand and water. Um, mm -hmm. she, she's unbelievable because she deals with um, mental illness. Like, it has no stigma about the fact that she deals with anxiety and depression, which you know who who does not. So she's she's so funny about it too. Um, so I'm really looking forward. I read her her first two, and I'm really looking forward to that one. That one just came out a little while ago, I think in April. Um, uh, there's one book that came out in March that did not get the publicity that it deserved. Um, and of course I can't remember the name of the author at the moment, but it was the lost village. Um, unbelievable story. And I would recommend that to anyone who says that they don't like reading. They have not found the right book yet. And that might be the one if you like horror movies, like definitely a good one. Um, yeah, there's, we get so many advanced reader copies that my, my reading list is um, 20 stories high at this point. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, there's, there's a lot coming out. Um, we do post almost every week, and we have a newsletter that tells you what's coming out. So yeah, <laughs> definitely sign up on our, our newsletter if you haven't. And so do you have any you know, final comments or you know, things you'd want listeners to know as we're ending off here today? Um, I just want to thank the community for their support. More than anything, we could not do this without our word of mouth. And, you know, it's it's been unbelievable the amount of response that we've gotten over the last five years. And I just really appreciate it. Um, and I appreciate you two for putting this together. That's so much fun. Ratings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we want to thank you for being on our show because, again, you know, you're one of the first local businesses to kind of reach back out. So again, oh. thank you for, yeah, having this conversation. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, we like to be part of the community. So <laughs> that's all over. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. I really appreciate it. Appreciate what you're yeah. we're back we're back that was a great interview josh i don't know about you it was a great interview with avery leopard store manager of ernest and hadley again it was so great speaking with her and spending the last hour with her what did you think of the overall experience monica well i'm glad that she gave us like a lot of info on running a local business specifically a bookstore because i don't know about you but it's one of those things where you don't really think about it when you maybe walk into a local business of any kind, you know, the amount of work and effort it takes to kind of set up shop every day, you know, it's like, it's just, a, it's just a lot, you know, and it's, you, you just right. have to think about it when you walk into one. And I'm glad, you know, it seemed like you were pretty engaged in the conversation, despite not being a book reader yourself. <laughs> Professors, please do not come for me. I read every <laughs> book required. I just don't take much time outside of reading. In my free time, that does not include articles, JCM professors, do not at me, that does not include articles, I'm talking about books here, but that, that aside, I think we really, though briefly, I think the conversation with coronavirus was especially useful, yeah. especially recently, because when you have a business owner, you know, not only are they worried about finances, 
to keep their business alive, but also to keep themselves alive, just like you and me and anybody else listening to this podcast and to sort of juggle being professional whilst also being human, I think is a really big, it's a very hard tight rope to manage. And I think a lot of professors get that too, but it's interesting to always get a business's perspective, of course. Yeah, I agree. So as we end off our thoughts, uh, we just want to plug, we plug this every week, y'all. We rate ratings all together. One word, Twitter and Instagram and Apple Podcasts technically, but you know, for the most part on social media where you can see our updated posts on bonus content, on updates, on maybe professors we retweet or feature on our stories. You know, that is on Instagram and Twitter. Do not forget, we rate ratings. Yes, we rate ratings. And as I always say, we want to hear from everybody, both sides all sides of the spectrum if you're a student and you have a story about a professor you just want to shout out a professor or maybe in the dms you're talking hey i don't know about this professor i've had a weird experience with him jump on the pod jump on the pod and have a conversation with us have a conversation with the professor and maybe we can come to some sort of middle ground and of course spice things up a little bit do something we haven't usually done on the podcast before we're always open to change. Students, if you have stories on professors, again, students are consumers too. If you have anything to do with businesses that you like, shout them out, plug them, and we will obviously reach out to them and hope that they respond. If you're a teacher, a professor, maybe you're a grad student who also teaches, maybe you're a business owner, maybe you're all three combined into one unique amalgamation we want to hear from you if you want to jump on the podcast if you're a little nervous about looking at your reviews be it on rate my professor or yelp or google or facebook or any of the other sites that have ratings let us just gently apply a wet towel to that spongebob band-aid and just slowly rip it off because we are here for you and we will never laugh at you we'll laugh with you And if it's in discomfort, we definitely will laugh with you. There is no argument there. But again, Instagram, Twitter, at WeRateRatings. Facts, no printer, no periods, no underscores, no repeating letters, no addition, subtraction, division symbols, at WeRateRatings. Right. Well, Josh, it's been a great day to talk to this local business with you. Agreed. Likewise. Ditto. Ditto, Monica. Yes. And so as we end things off, you know, I just want to say bye to the audience and bye to you. Of course. Everybody have a great Friday. And if you're listening late, shame on you. But have a great day, whatever day you're listening. Right. And we'll see y'all next week. Bye. Ta-ta. This podcast is a Crimson Y production co-hosted by Monica Nakashima and Josh Liberti. The audio editing and mixing was produced by Monica, Josh, and Crimson Y culture editor Jeffrey Kelly. The introduction song featured is Stardust by Jay Jen, taken from YouTube channel Audio Library Plus, which offers downloadable free and safe music for content creators without copyright issues.